Hi there, it's the Bricks and Mortar podcast and it's Jonathan Williams from the Bricks and Mortar podcast, a podcast about property. If you've got an interest in property, if you are buying, selling, renting or investing in property, then in the next 20 or 30 minutes we'll have something I'm sure that will float your boat and light your candle. It's been a bit of an eventful weekend for me. I'm uh, recording this on Monday, the bank holiday Monday, and I'm just back from Macrahanish. Had to end up going down there on Sunday, usual six-hour slog down and back uh, to do the turnaround. We've got some people going in to the property in Macrahanish and uh, got down to... Loch Gilphead and uh, ended up finding out that I had to go into Loch Gilphead to get some provisions, some bits and pieces, cleaning items to get uh, on the way down and this is Sunday morning and went into the co-op there and uh, 10.30 Sunday morning and absolutely nobody in the store apart from this woman who turns up to do her shopping in her dressing gown a pair of baffies and her pyjamas. Now, I thought that kind of thing only happened in Clyde Bank, but uh, no, um, Loch Gilphead seems to be, I just couldn't, I could not believe it. She just walked in bold as brass, uh, did her did her shopping and, and walked back out, but that was just a half of it. I ended up getting my bits and pieces, put it on the, the checkout, and um, the, the guy at the checkout asked me, I had I run a half marathon and then I realised that I was wearing a half marathon t-shirt and he asked me, he said, how long's that? And I said, well, that's 13, 13 miles. Um, and I thought, well, that's nice. They're, they're taking taking you on and, and having a conversation with you. But then I, I thought that was a rather strange question and, and he then retorted, oh, I, I've done some running. And uh, he, he then tells me that uh, he's run 10 miles. I said, well, that's, that's great, super. Um, and he said, I, I did that 20 years ago. And I'm thinking, gosh, he must have a, a good memory. And, and, then, and then the conversation took a bit of a bizarre um, straight. And he then tells me that he ran with, with Army Ron. And it was clear that he thought that I knew who Army Ron was, um, which was somewhat disconcerting. Um, and then he tells me that he ran from Adrishig to La Gilped and back from La Gilped to Adrishig, Adrishig to La Gilped. And I thought, you, you're, a, you're a complete nutcase. I, I have to say, I walked out of, of the co-op there in La Gilped and I thought there would be a man sitting there with a banjo um, striking up the tune from the deliverance. It was just very, very strange. Anyway... This isn't uh, about deliverance. This isn't about uh, Loch Gilped and uh, the strange folk that live here. Uh, this is the Bricks and Mortar podcast. And where we are at on the property journey is it's time to pick up the keys. We've got through the missives, we've got the loan papers, and we're almost there. So I'm going to tell you a wee bit more about what happens at the time when you exchange the keys. I'm going to talk about the timeline. I'm going to talk about what goes wrong and I'm going to give you a tip, tip, tips for purchasers and tips for sellers. And then after that, we'll just do the outro, tell you a wee bit more about the girls. Hockey season started again and um, 
I'll tell you about what happened at the weekend, double header there against Lomond, and I'll tell you a bit more about the interview. We've got an interview lined up with John Loudon, who works for Auction Scotland, and we are going to be interviewing him on Wednesday. So the next couple of days we'll be interviewing him, but I'll tell you a bit more about that at the end of the show. Listen, let's get on with the show and let's talk about the keys. So we've got to the position where we're just about to pick up the keys. And this should be, you would have thought, the most straightforward thing to do. Surely to goodness, the solicitor sent off the cheque or TT'd the funds and it's just a case of you picking up the keys. But there's many things that can, can happen and I'll tell you a wee bit more about those and and what in fact can go wrong. Having been in the game for 20 odd years, the stories that that I can recount on the shambles that sometimes happens as far as the keys are concerned. But listen, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's talk about timeline. So it's the day before settlement. Let's assume that we're going to be settling a transaction on a Friday. Just a little bit about that. Could never understand why we continue to complete transactions on the Friday. What happens if something goes wrong and it's the weekend? That's you. You're not going to be able to resurrect the transaction over the weekend. So could never understand why on earth do we settle transactions on a Friday? Would it not be better to settle transactions on a Thursday so that if something did go wrong, then at least you had some wiggle room on, on the Friday? But you know, everybody seems to want to try and complete the transaction on Friday and have the weekend to uh, move in and settle in before they return to work on the Monday. It is what it is. So we've got the timeline, we've got the solicitor. The solicitor is going to be sending the cheque out. If you're doing a back-to-back, which is uh, a purchase and a sale on the same day, what you want to try and do is to dovetail the the purchase and the sale so that it happens on the same day. The, The chances of you getting bridging these days are very, very slim. I think only Airdrie Savings Bank is probably the only mainstream lender that uh, would entertain uh, bridging finance and it's just it's very expensive it's an incredible hassle so if you possibly can then make sure that you buy and sell on the same day now if you're buying and selling on the same day and you're in a long chain then that can cause problems but let's explain a wee bit more about that later so straightforward transaction we're acting for the purchaser. The, the solicitor sends off the cheque on the Thursday night. Selling solicitor picks that up on the Friday morning and everything's good to go. The, the seller has completed their onward purchase. Um, they've then released, the, they've then got the keys. Your seller's got the keys for the new property. And what will happen is that the selling solicitor will finalise the last couple of searches. They will contact the uh, purchaser with those searches. The purchaser will then say, we're now in funds, please authorise release of the keys. And the seller solicitors will then contact the estate agent to release the keys. Your solicitor will then contact you as the purchaser 
and tell you that the keys can now be issued and you can now go down and pick those up. That's how it should work, okay? That should all happen at 10 o'clock. But there are a couple of caveats that you've got to look at here. First of all, most solicitors will have anywhere between half a dozen or 10 transactions possibly settling on that day. And it really depends how well organised your solicitor is as to how quickly you're going to get the keys on the Friday. If you're a first-time buyer and you're not relying upon the sale, then I would suggest that you're likely to get your keys a lot quicker anywhere between 10 o'clock in the morning and 1 o'clock in the afternoon. If, however, you're doing a purchase and a sale, then your solicitor is going to be reliant upon selling your property and completing the sale of your property before they are able to complete the purchase for you. What can go wrong is obviously if there's a delay and a lot of the time the delay is probably likely to be caused by the seller rather than the purchaser. Um, especially if you're a first-time buyer, you should really have your loan papers all sorted out. There should all of the conveyancing should have been done, and so really, if you're a if you're a first-time buyer or buying without having to sell, then if there is a delay, then the delay is probably down to the seller. The other thing that can delay things is it very much depends as to use the purchaser where you are in the chain. If you are at the start of the chain, then again, not expecting there to be any great issues as far as timings are concerned. But if you're in the middle of the chain, or indeed at the end of the chain, then you will not be able to complete your transaction until all of the other transactions prior to yours have been completed, hence the chain. Now, what most solicitors will aim at is a key release round about lunchtime. Okay, It is impossible to state categorically when will the keys be released. Okay, So when you're speaking to your solicitor, expect your solicitor to turn around and say, well, I don't honestly know when specifically the keys are going to be released, but everybody tends to aim for round about lunchtime on the Friday. It might be earlier, it might be later. If there is a delay... What you should be able to expect is a telephone call from your solicitor early on the Friday to say there's a delay. What I do with my clients is I will contact them and say, listen, we've got a delay here. I'll explain to them in clear, understandable English without any jargon why there's a delay. I'll explain to them how we're going to resolve the delay and then what we'll do is we'll give them a time scale. And if we don't resolve the issues within, say, a couple of hours, then we'll be on to our client updating them. At this stage, it's absolutely imperative for the solicitor to ensure that they communicate as best as possible with their client because that is where the stress, the stress will occur because 
the client does not know what's happening and does not have a time scale, but is probably getting it in the ear from the removal company. Why on earth is there a delay? So that is the delay side of things. Um, one of the main reasons that I've come across as far as the delay is concerned is that once the transactions have completed, it very much depends as to whether or not the seller is doing their own flit and buying another property. The worst case scenario is that from a purchaser's perspective, the purchasing solicitor hears back from the seller that the seller's doing their own flit and they've got their Luton van. Now, there's not very many properties that you can get all your worldly belongings within one Luton van. And what that means is that you're going to have to do two trips. But the problem is that you can't do the first trip and unload everything and then come back for the second trip until you've completed the, 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 the purchase. And that's where the problem is. There's many a time where there's been a delay in the transaction. We don't get key release until four o'clock. And then we find out that the seller's got a Luden van and they haven't even started taking all their bits and pieces out of the property. So whenever I'm acting from a, from a seller, and we'll talk about this with tips and tricks in a little while, whenever I'm acting on behalf of a seller, I really do insist that they make sure and get a removal company to uh, make sure that, that everything is in the van and that they only need one, one trip. So that's timeline, okay? Trying to explain to you there what or why things go wrong and now all I want to talk about is, is tips and tricks and we'll divide this into purchaser and seller. As far as tips for the seller is concerned the biggest thing is for goodness sake don't do it yourself. You know you've spent money on an estate agent, you've spent money on a solicitor, don't scrimp and, uh, and save on doing it yourself as far as a removal company is concerned. The last time I think we moved, which was six or seven years ago, I th think we used a company called SB Removals, and they were absolutely fantastic. And I think we paid them four hundred quid. Uh, and I think they they only broke one thing. I mean, it was they were absolutely unbelievable. It's not too expensive to get a decent firm of removal, a removal company. So, for goodness' sake, don't go down to Arnold Clark and get a Luton van. Just get somebody. Uh, and make sure that the van is going to be sufficient so that they only have to make one trip. So that's don't do it yourself. Secondly, you're going to be running around like a blue arse fly in the days before settlement. And ultimately, the last thing you want to be doing is to be worrying about where to put the keys at settlement. For goodness sake, take that out of the equation and make sure and drop off your your keys to your estate agents the day before settlement. In nearly every single transaction that I do when I'm acting on behalf of a seller, what I'll tell them to do is they'll have two sets of keys, say, get one set of keys down to the estate agents the day before settlement, and then the other set of keys, once they do their final lock-up, then just put the keys through the letterbox 
and and just walk away. The last thing you as a seller want to do is to have any conversations whatsoever with the purchaser, okay? Because if you end up getting embroiled in that, what will happen is that you'll end up having to show them how to do this, how to use the boiler, how to do that, this, that, and the next thing. Listen, just draw a line under it, okay? If there's any problems, then you know they'll intimate something to the solicitors. You know, you'll have too much on your plate, especially if you're purchasing, just hightail it, get out of the property uh, and make sure that um, you get your own purchase all sorted out. Third thing is do the packing the day before. Removal companies will offer you probably two contracts. One is a pack the day before and then they'll do the move and they'll pack for you, okay? It's not a great deal of money for them to do the packing. And what I would say to you is that if you can, try and get them to do that the day before. Again, from from my own perspective, when we did that, that was the best thing that we ever did. I think we paid them an, an extra hundred, couple of hundred pounds just for them to do the packing and it just saved an incredible amount of stress and allowed us to actually clean the property. So many people um, are in such a rush that they don't clean the property and there's nothing worse going into a new property and finding that it's manky and the place hasn't been properly deep cleaned um, for for you know possibly years. The amount of calls that we get post-settlement a lot of them are down to, and in fact, this is a, there's a clause within the standard missives which states that you have to leave the property um, in a clean and tidy state. And there's a lot of times where clients will phone us up and say, they've not cleaned this, they've not cleaned that, etc. And it's just, it's a huge bugbear for the clients. For goodness sake, as a seller, don't be manky. Clean the flipping property before you hand it over. And I'm not going to say anything more about that. Listen, let's go on and talk about tips for the purchaser. Tips for the purchaser. Well, you really are in the hands of the seller, I have to say. There's not too much you can actually do. Uh, hopefully, you've employed a decent solicitor and you've got a good communication with the solicitor because ultimately one of the queries that the solicitor will raise at the time of, of noting the title is the usual question of where the key is going to be. The solicitor never going to know when we're going to get the keys but it should certainly know where the keys are. The last thing you want to be doing is phoning up the solicitor on the Friday and saying well oh where are the keys? M- make sure that the solicitor has requested confirmation of where the keys are. And what I would be saying to you is on the Thursday, Wednesday or the Thursday, phone up, your, if your solicitor hasn't phoned you, phone up your solicitor and demand to know where the keys are going to be. It's all about trying to get things organised. And the more organised you are, the less stress that you're going to have on the date of entry. So that's phoning the the solicitor. Let's assume that you're doing the flit yourself, okay? You're in rented accommodation or you're doing a purchase and sale on the same day. The same advice 
to a purchaser, I'm going to give you the same advice as I gave the seller. Get a removal company, okay? It's all about trying to reduce stress. And the best way of doing that is to get the other people, the removal company, to do the heavy lifting. It will be money well spent. You can go off and have your Starbucks or, or your Costa coffee, wait in the, the coffee house next to the estate agents and then go and pick up the keys. I've mentioned there about going to the estate agents, picking up the keys. Let's, let's assume that uh, the keys are at the estate agents and by and large, that's where the keys are going to be. There's really only a couple of places they can be. There's three places. You do a personal handover, as a seller, I've said to sellers, listen, don't do a personal handover. Just keep the purchaser at arm's length. Very rarely do you get a chance to meet the seller and go through bits and pieces. Sometimes you know, that happens because the seller really wants to do that. So personal handover. The keys might be at the solicitors. It's an Edinburgh thing, that. Uh, what tends to happen is that for some reason the Edinburgh fraternity would like you as a solicitor, a, a selling solicitor, to send the keys the day before. Now to me, I've just never understood that. That just seems utter madness. What, what, the only thing that can go wrong is that the keys go walkabout. And that could be the only set of keys. So why put yourself in a situation where you're putting the whole transaction in jeopardy? Just keep hold of the keys. But I think we're banging our heads off a brick wall when we're talking about trying to, to change that one. So the keys are likely to be with the estate agent. That's the third possibility. And in all likelihood, that's where they will be. You would have thought that the seller would have left the keys the day before. But a lot of times that just doesn't happen. And again, I'm left banging my head off a brick wall um, where sellers just don't do that. But let's assume that the keys are at the estate agents. What I suggest you do is contact the estate agent. Don't go down to the estate agent just expecting the keys are going to be there. Phone them up just to make sure that the keys are there. And what I would suggest is phone them up the day before or first thing on the date of entry and ask, do they have the keys? And even once your solicitor has contacted you to say that the keys can be released, I would again contact the estate agents because the amount of times that I've come across situations where messages haven't been passed on or the solicitor hasn't made the call or the keys are not there and what ends up happening is that the client just, the purchaser just becomes incredibly frustrated. But that could have all been avoided had the purchaser decided to phone the estate agent once the, the, the solicitor had phoned them. So those are the three things. Get yourself a removal company, phone the estate agent ahead and find out where the keys are going to be. The final thought I'm going to put in here is this. 
there's many an occasion on a Friday afternoon where we're struggling for whatever reason to complete the transaction. And the clock is now ticking, the stress levels are through the roof for the solicitor, for the seller, for the purchaser, and we now are under a time constraint to complete the transaction by 5pm because the estate agents are, are, are wanting to shut up shop. Now this is where you have to rely a wee bit upon your solicitor and getting the solicitor to think outside the box. There's many an occasion where we come to quarter to five and I've had to phone the estate agent and ask the estate agent to, to, to drop off a set of keys um, at a shop next door or hope that they'll stay open. It's really depended upon a sort of on a case-by-case -case basis and you really do have to think outside the box just to make sure if they are going to be shutting the estate agent and you're almost certain that you're going to get the keys before or your, the transaction is going to settle before, say, six o'clock, then it's trying to... to, to you should already have that relationship with the estate agent as a solicitor where you can hopefully um, try and, and, and get a favour. There's been some occasions where I've even gone along and picked up the keys on the undertaking that they're not going to be released until we are able to complete the transaction. One of the best ways of avoiding the estate agent's shutting up shop is to get your client the purchaser to actually go into the estate agent and really that is the last throw of the dice in it and I have to say I've used that on several occasions or I've said to my client listen just go into the estate agent and just make a nuisance of yourself and just refuse to leave the the estate agents until they've handed over the keys it's very unlikely that in those circumstances, assuming of course that you are going to complete the transaction, but it's very unlikely that the estate agents are just going to throw you out. So I would just go along there, uh, sit at reception at quarter to five and, uh, and hope that they'll play ball. So hopefully that's given you a flavour of what should be a very straightforward process. Check goes out phone call made, release of keys. And don't get me wrong, that happens a great majority of the time. But what you need to know is what the tips and tricks are in the event that that doesn't happen. And hopefully that's cleared that up. Next week, uh, we'll, we're going to be doing an interview with John Loudon. Uh, he works with Auction Scotland and he was telling me there just during the week whilst we were arranging the interview that he's got the bods from Homes Under the Hammer coming to uh, video one of his auctions to use for one of the television programmes. So we'll we'll peek behind the curtains of Homes Under the Hammer next week and uh, looking forward to meeting up with John. We're doing that on Wednesday and we'll put that one in the can and get the interview done. And then after that, 
then what we'll be doing is we'll be looking at post-settlement disputes and just winding things up as far as a purchase is concerned. So that's the interview. Couple of bits of housekeeping. I'm going to start up a YouTube channel. I think what I'm going to do there is, and I'm just trying to get the, the various bits and pieces sorted out for that. And I think what we're going to do is on a weekly basis, we'll release a video of anywhere between sort of five and eight minutes, and it will be on a particular aspect of the buying process and a particular aspect on the mortgage process as well. There'll be bite-sized chunks, a wee bit like what we've been doing over the course of the podcast and dividing a transaction into bits and pieces, but there'll be very, very small, small segments and just sort of bullet points. And I think that's something that hopefully everybody will enjoy. As I said earlier, we've started the hockey season. It doesn't seem too long ago since uh, both girls were were playing just before the end of the the school term there. But we've got back into the hockey and uh, I'm glad to say that that Amy's managed to make the first team squad. She made her first team debut there, which is great. I think she's in in fourth year at school. So getting into the first team is, uh, is a fairly, well, it's a great achievement, I have to say. And they were playing Loman there at the weekend and uh, they managed a 5-2 win. So I think that's probably the first win in a team scenario that uh, number one has had for about three years. So, uh, yeah, she was full of the joys, full of the joys. And then number two, um, they managed to beat uh, Lomond, I think, 7-0. So that was a good a good outing for them. But we're back, back on a Saturday morning and most of Saturday mornings now are taken up on the on the hockey run. So I'll keep you uh, up to date as to how they are all getting on. If you do want to get in touch with me, then again, through the usual auspices, uh, we're looking at email. You can email me at jonathanwilliams at begleybrown.co.uk. Again, we've got the website, www, the Bricks and Mortar podcast. We're on the Twitters, jwilliams underscore bb. That's the Twitter handle. And also you can get us on Facebook. Just type in onto the search bar, the Bricks and Mortar podcast. And finally, you can get in touch with me over LinkedIn. I'm going to wrap it up now. Going to go off and get this interview done with John Lydon. Looking forward to speaking to him. You've been listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast, a sideways look at property.